Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Hat Track Heroes where today we continue our chat with Rando from One Human Race. In this episode we find out how Rando is managing to maintain everything with the organization and we also ask Rando about his plans for the future and what he would love to achieve with the organization. We hope you enjoy. If you were to speak to someone who was like totally against it and didn't agree with what you were doing, what kind of things would you say to that person? Whether it was in the sense of trying to uh, impress your opinion on them or just in the sense of your response? I used to have this discussion on a daily basis a few years ago. I won't anymore because if I know someone is completely against them, I won't discuss it with them anymore because yeah. it's, it's pretty fruitless. It's, it's for me, they're humans basically. That's my own personal feelings are this whole idea of birthright, this is my land, I don't agree with, but that's right, okay. quite an extreme opinion. There's so many arguments you look at as economists who say that if we had open borders worldwide, the economy would be double the size. You know, so um, well, there is, okay. there's many arguments, there's, there's very few arguments against immigration actually. Economically, there are no arguments. If you yes. look at, you know, immigration is good for a country, especially in Europe, we have got low birth rates, we need people to come in to work. Mm. Right? And that's one thing, people are coming to work, not to live on benefits. That's that's a hundred percent sure, you know. Ah, okay. Of course, there's always one. And then the terrorism thing comes up. You know, we have them here. Most of the terrorist attacks are done by homegrown, you know, homegrown people who are born and bred in Europe. And it's also the terrorism. I know it's a big issue, but it, it's not. Like if you look at the amount of, you know, we've had more terrorism deaths in the 1970s and 80s in Europe than we had in the 90s and 2000s. Oh, okay. From other sources, yeah, which people don't realize. You know, there was far, far left terrorism in the 70s and 80s. Then there was, you know, Northern Ireland, the Basque country. You know, we've always had this. Most of the people fleeing Syria and Afghanistan, they're fleeing terrorism. Yeah, gotcha. You know what I mean? They, yeah. they, had, they, had, they, they have, you know, daily terrorism in their lives. Yeah. So, oh. I know that's a, that's a tough one, that, that bit. I have, I've never met anybody who had any extreme thoughts. I can literally hand on heart. Over the time you have been involved, um, do you have any telling stories that uh, give you those extreme feelings, good or bad, like some, maybe some emotional stories, perhaps? Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier. Um, there, there are many, we, there are many, 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 and um, some amazing stories. There's, um, okay, I won't say the airline again, major British company. She yeah. was one of, um, one of the in-charge crew, in crew members, flying for 35 years, very senior. And I didn't know her well, but when she saw me getting involved, Facebook, she contacted me saying, I really want to do something and help. And I said, okay, well, she said, I want to help a Syrian or anybody, she said at the time it was mainly Syrians, live with me and, you know, a young guy and me, my husband, our kids are out of the house. And I went, okay, this is just talk now. Mm. Literally, like she's just talking, you know? And uh, I said, look, I know one lady, she's half French, half Greek, she's helping Syrians. Maybe I'll put you guys in touch. And maybe she knows some guys I know. They went from Greece to France. Yeah. And this is all I did. I put them in touch. About three months later, I get a message from her going, we've got our first interviews with, the, with social services. Another two months later, she had taken in a 16-year-old Syrian guy living with them. This was five years ago. He's now at university. He's basically became their, their second son. Oh, An nice. amazing story. You know how much difference someone can do. They're living in a small village in France. So bringing the Syrian in, she was also having the neighbors, everyone going, what are you doing? And yeah, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, but you know, completely changed. I think, you know, he became the most popular kid in the village, basically. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. And there's another another story, I think, which is says quite a lot as well. Then there was a... Um, 2016 and that lady she was there with um, her husband was already in Germany she was with her four kids the oldest daughter was 18 her pregnant and they basically had to live from Idlib in northern Syria which was safe at the time when the husband well still safe at the time when the husband left 
and they were going to do the official family unification. But then the bombing started and they had to leave overnight. And she was alone with 14 inch kids in Greece. Absolutely amazing lady, same age as me. And um, very conservative, very, very, you know, tra traditional Muslim lady from a small town. And another volunteer had, for whatever reason, told her that I'm not that interested in women, right? So, which was, of course, for them, an unheard of issue, right? Mm. I think her daughter, her oldest daughter, actually came up to me going, you know, we have no problem with that, but we just never come across this, right? Yeah, okay. And I said, you know, absolutely fine. And I could see the mother was, you know, with her two teenage boys then, fair enough, you know, you could see she was like kind of watchful, you know, and worried. Yeah. And then six months later, I was, had to walk back to the car. I was at their, at their place and it was late at night. And then she said to one of her boys, please go with him to get the stuff. And she winked at me saying she was perfectly, it was basically the signal, I'm perfectly happy for my sons, my teenage sons to go with you at night out of the house. Right, I see, I see. That's all it takes really sometimes, you know, be open to it and, to and don't expect, and so you know, yeah. everyone in a headscarf to be homophobic, for example. On to nitty gritty, I guess you might call it. What kind of money does it take to run the organization and, and where is the money actually coming from? Okay, so I can give you the exact figures for the housing project because I've done them many, many times. It's yeah. a, it costs us about 12,000 euros a year, including rent and all bills for 15 guys, which equals, I think, 68 euros a month, which is, you know, considering I know, um, I know the UNHCR and the EU, they... I think they give Greece 1,500 euros per refugee a month and they're living in tents and camps. So that kind of puts it all down where the, um, yeah, so the housing project is the fixed costs of fixed, so utilities, rent, wife, all these things together, that's all 12,000 a year. So which is pretty, yeah, and the shower project, I think is the, between rent and the salary of Mahdia, the young lady, is about seven, six, seven, 700 a month euros, so about 9,000 a year. Yeah, okay. That's the, the fixed costs and mainly it's fundraising. It's private, you know, fundraising campaigns, um, Facebook fundraisers, GoFundMe. We have one or two larger NGOs who fundraise for grassroots groups who support. But it's a constant, it's a constant fundraising, you know. Yeah, okay. Are you doing yeah. any kind of physical events at all or is it a bit too, too difficult at the moment? Uh, well, at the moment, impossible. I did at the beginning actually do a few, like, you know, we did like, um, part, you know, what they call um, raffle, you know, like um, quiz nights and all this. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which, brought, which brought in a lot of funds, but the, the time, it was just impossible to find the time for, for um, it took so much time to set up that, that it, was, it became impossible to do. So, um, yeah, so basically um, I would love to do... But I would, I, I need someone else. I would have to be someone come forward to do it. And that's just a time thing. That becomes, Organizing yeah. events and stuff is, I, w I would love to do more, but it's been, just been GoFundMe campaigns, social media. Yeah. And also having quite a few of the smaller groups who raise funds, but are not always on the ground in Greece. They've been quite supportive saying, look, we've raised extra money. So we'll pass it on to you because you're actually on the ground right now, rather than having the money sit around waiting for the next time they go. I think be, having been involved for that many years, you know, there's a trust thing there. And, you know, you build up a reputation and social media has helped a lot for that. Yeah, okay, good, good. It's very easy to be found out if you're not doing the right thing. Yep. These days, I think it's quite, you know, it's quite easy to be, yeah, social media is quite a, kind of a fairly good um, regulator. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Where can people go to donate? So you've got obviously the GoFundMe and... Um... And then we also, some people, because there are some people who rather donate to a, um, a registered NGO, which we have in London called Donate for Refugees. So they take donations on our behalf Oh, good. as well. Yep. You know, and then you get gift aid, which is the UK. You get 25% extra from the UK government if you're a UK resident. To be honest, most of the funding goes 
through them and then they give it even even if i do a fund facebook fundraiser i'll do it through them so yeah. then it's all covered then they pay the money out basically as we need it okay that's that's quite yeah. straightforward then isn't it now I, I did see a video on your uh the one human race facebook page it was um one of the things that i took from that is the fact that since COVID has started you've I mean, you can still take financial donations, but physical donations haven't continued. Can you elaborate on what kind of physical things you were able to take and, and what's the story now with that? It's basically because I was traveling out at least once, twice a month. Mm. And, um, you know, even that was like every month I could take 40, 50 kilos of, of, of you know, if I, wow. if I collected really lot, good yeah. stuff, you know, yeah, cool. yeah, two big suitcases full. And we could also, that's another issue, not just COVID, it's also Brexit, because we could, you know, obviously mail everything ah, domestically. Yes, I didn't think of that. And now, if you had a, a Euro pallet, you, you take about, I think, up to a thousand kilos. It's quite a lot, huh? but it's not normally, it depends on what, you, what you're shipping. Yeah. But you ship like a pallet, basically, which used to cost 250 euros, I think, that was it. Okay. From, from the UK degree. Not too that's bad. now yeah. about 1,500 1, now. Oh! Ouch. Yeah, so it's become it, it's not possible. It's the same price as a container basically now, nearly. So that's that's gone out the window. So um, now we obviously, because especially for the shower project, we have lots of women with small children and they need clothing and stuff, and we're trying to distribute to them. Yeah. So we've really tried to source it in Athens and children's clothes. You get there as well. You know, easy yeah. because you know people have babies and then you know that's quite easy to find in Athens as well. So I've been trying to focus on getting physical donations in Athens mainly because the logistics it became. You know, the, a few years ago, you know, um, yeah, my yeah. employer, they gave me actually because um, anything that's not branded, they will, they, they will give out. And I was given like uh, 2,000 um, first class socks. Oh, no way. So we had them in wow. a pallet and they went out. That was, it was amazing just at the time yeah. when we needed it. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. you know, that's not possible anymore. But are there any UK airlines doing stopovers in Athens or is it all, if there's a flight, is it just a there and back kind of thing? At the moment, there's, I think there's only one flight a week right now. Oh. There's one flight a week from, on my company flies once a week and I think a GN fly maybe twice a week. That's it. So, and they, are they stopovers or? Well, no, they're just there and back once yeah, a week. So no back, one can yeah. actually take any goods with them on their flights. Yeah, and crew. as crew, you, yeah, they couldn't. And the only thing we used to have, we used to have like a tea, because tea is much cheaper in the UK. Yeah. So, um, we used to have a, like a tea run and they used to live in the crew <laughs> hotel for me. Yeah, and yeah. so we got thousands of tea bags and we distributed them all over. But otherwise, our, our European crews, they can't check luggage in. You know what I mean? So oh. it wasn't really feasible to take much. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay. And like, if you were to take like shower gels and so forth, you can't take liquid on the, as carry on as well. So there's... Um, yeah, and yeah. it was just, they could just take their cabin bags, basically. They couldn't, they couldn't check anything in. I didn't so that was that. Okay. A long haul we do, we take, to, you know, we take stuff to many places, ah, actually. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So really, logistics mm. now has become a bit of an issue, like if you wanted to get the things from outside into Greece. So it's focused upon... Everything in Greece is all you can really manage. Which, which, to be honest, has always made more sense. In, you know, it's, I know it's easier to, to get donations in kind rather than in, in financial ones. Yep. But just, it always made more sense to buy locally than to ship stuff somewhere. Yeah, okay. I know there's a, Spanish, a small Spanish NGO. They ask for food donations in Spain, you know, mm -hmm. like dry foods and stuff. And yep. they send two or three containers of food out every month. Which costs, you know, quite a lot of money, but it's much easier for them to get the food donated than the money. Of course. So it, it's kind of ludicrous, but that's, you know, that's how it works. It's a shame that you can't get the worldwide help, but you so, know, if you're managing, that's um, important. At the height of the refugee crisis, there was stuff being sent out, all from all, and they still do within the EU. Within yeah. the EU, they're still sending lots of... I do have some contacts in Germany, actually, who send stuff from okay. time to time as yeah, well. Yeah. But then the logistics, the other end is we don't have a warehouse. So that's another problem. Other small organizations, they have warehouses and they have taken stuff on our behalf. 
So that's kind of how the cooperation works between okay. the smaller groups really well. So it's kind of, you know, without having a huge, the logistic costs, we're managing. Like if yeah. someone says to me from Germany, I've got this really amazing stuff, I will find a way of to getting it to Greece and having, yeah, having, and it, having, it, having it stored yeah, yeah, and, yeah. All, and then distributed as well. Yeah. Mm. This probably leads into the next question in, in a sense. Where, where do you intend to take this organization, One Human Race, mm. now and in the future? Is it in, maybe in regards to logistical problems that you've got now or is it maybe something different financially or what, what, what would you say to, that? to be honest I've never had any ambition with a project if that makes sense okay if okay. that makes sense in I've never wanted to become you know anything bigger because that would then you know I never want to do this for a living for example people many times ask me why don't you you know why don't you do this like for you know for a living as a because it would completely change the the, the, the way of doing it the minute yeah. you do you know you, you it's, it's a completely different the concept um, yeah the concept and the way you help and the way you restrict it as well, you yeah, know, legally okay. in many ways. There's, um, I could never, for example, housing, like as a private person, mm. I can rent a flat and I can, you know, and I can have people live in there. That's, and as, as long as I don't charge them rent, no one cares, absolutely legal. But if you're an, an organization, official NGO, in that case, you would have to have, you know, the, the bureaucracy would kill you. Yeah, so that's why they don't exist. They, they basically, yeah. they don't exist. Many have tried it and they had to close down again. So it's many things like, um, you know, you can't uh, transport. The Greek government said you can't transport refugees to many NGOs. So they had many vans sitting there, but they can't, couldn't take anyone anywhere. It's, again, the, we missed that earlier, but the, they had a change of government in Greece last year. They went from a f left of center to a right of center government and extremely anti-immigration, anti... -immigration, anti oh, so they're making okay. life very, very difficult as well. So basically what we're doing now and wherever there's other need and we can help, we'll do it. Yeah, okay. But there's no actual plan of getting bigger or setting anything up, you know. Okay. I'm trying to keep the housing project, you know, it's been four years now and I hope I can keep that going for as long as possible because yeah. the need is there. Yeah. And it's, it's really well set up now and it's like now it's running, you know, it took many years to get to this where we are now from, um, you know, it was a learning curve basically. So I hope that, you know, as long as I can do it, as long as I can physically do it and I can, you know, combine it with work and... So hypothetically, would you maybe in a couple of years, if you think you need, would you perhaps open up a second house for another 15? I would love to, if I, if I had the, it's more the capability actually of, I would have to do it. If someone says to me, do you want to do it together? To get someone else to kind of share the responsibility, yeah. I would do it. Yeah, but okay. Personally, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't take it on. It's a, it's a time really, both like mental and physical ability to do it. Yeah. Because, um, but if I would, we've talked about it before, I, I, you know, but I would have to have someone jump in and most people kind of chicken out at the end. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like most people, when it comes to the actual crunch point of, okay, let's sign this contract for the house, they go, ooh, you know, because yeah, it is quite a big responsibility. Yeah, of like, course. you know, if it goes wrong, we have 15 homeless people, you know, you feel responsible for them. Yeah, I see. So it's not just financial, which, it's actually mental as well. It, yeah, of course, you, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's an emotional attachment. It's an attachment. Also, you feel responsible. Like if, yeah. if I suddenly couldn't pay for it anymore, I'd have to put 15 young guys on the street, which would be awful. You know what I mean? Yeah, which would be, yeah. So I suppose that's the responsibility. But then again, I think even big NGOs have that, you know, whatever they set up, they don't know how long the funding is going to last or yeah. that, that's life, I suppose, in a way, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully mm. you do find the right resources and, and the, uh, maybe some other person that can help you. In regards to yeah. extending, let's see, the, yeah, yeah, or, 
or even yeah, let's your see how things or whatever it might be. Yeah. 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 Let's see how things, you know, I think at the moment, I think everything is a bit on hold anyway. Yeah. yeah. You know, in life in general for all of us, right? Yeah, of course. Because we have to course. see what happens, you know, yeah. with, um, so, um, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually trying not to plan anything at the moment mentally for myself you know like going yeah, just you know day by day at the moment in a way because <laughs> yeah, i know that's it yeah. the... i think everyone can empathize with that right now yeah for sure so definitely. yeah 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 um, i hope that gave you enough i hope i got some points across it's quite difficult to um yeah it's a difficult issue like and, uh, yeah, and because i think that's... people are people are not used to this kind of it, it's because it's such a different setup to the what the norm yeah, it's, it's, it's kind a of, it's, tough situation for people to, you know, I guess people hearing about this information and then, you know, different perspectives, you know, I have different guests that have spoken about refugee stuff and most, mm. I think all of them had a very similar perspective to you. Uh, so it's nice for the listeners to, to get a perspective and to hear the different scenarios and situations, what's happening outside of where they're, where they're based, etc. So, you know, it, it, and some great information as well. To, to finish off, do you have some words of inspiration for everyone out there? Yes, I would say that if anybody who's actually come up in direct contact with refugees, whether, you know, no one's, no one's ever, you know, gone volunteering with refugees and left and gone, I, that was a mistake. I shouldn't right, help okay. these people. I've never ever, that's, I think that sums it up. Of course, people go already being in favor of the issue. But I have never, ever met anyone who left and gone, these people, we shouldn't help them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I see. Yeah. Afterwards. There was no, n never, ever, ever. And um, I think, yeah, just don't, the media narrative is just not, don't, you know, read up more and bit more detail about stuff or don't buy anything, the media, you know, the headlines. Yeah, okay. Just make your own decisions. That's kind of, that would be, yeah. yeah. Now, where's the best place mm -hmm. for people to contact one human race contact yourself what's the best okay i think the um, facebook is definitely the best way okay um so we've got um we've got a facebook group and we've got a facebook page okay um uh, both called one human race quite easy to find okay. and um we can we can message via the page yeah cool cool I, i'll put the link up as well on uh, on our page as well oh, brilliant so thank you yeah. yeah perfect all right well um yeah, it's been very interesting hearing about an amazing uh, initiative that you've started. So I'm sure everyone listening has managed to gain a lot of insight into into the plight of these refugees. And uh, it's been great to to hear your thoughts on all of this. So thank you so much, Rando, for no, thank you, Nick. Thank you for giving me a chance. Yeah, very Brilliant. welcome. Thank you very much. Very welcome. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to the show, and we hope you gained some great information from Rando and we look forward to having you back again in another episode. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Cool.